Chapter 6, page 103. Time passes and the swim team gets better and better. Not in the sense that we're ever going to win a meet or even a race that I'm not in, but in the sense that no one is turning back. Tayroy is turning into our go-to butterflyer. He operates on power and endurance, and as big as those shoulders are, they're amazingly flexible. He doesn't yet have the stroke timing right, but he's down and back in the time it takes any of the others to get down. That alone won't win races, but will, it will avoid crippling embarrassment. Chris Coughlin is so glad to be part of something, he works like one of those potato bugs in my bathtub. And he's as happy stroking away belly down on the bench as he is in the water. In fact, he likes it more because he can hear the music better. We've been democratic about music selection and Chris likes Christmas music. So interspersed with all the rock and hard driving country and rap and Dan Hole's 1812 overture comes Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Chris likes the Gene Autry version. Water is the very best place for Dan Hole because he can't talk when his face is in it. And the longer he's quiet, the more likable he becomes. Simon has realized he doesn't weigh close to 300 pounds in the water. And after the first two weeks of working out and lifting weights, interim coach Oliver thought he saw the outline of triceps poking through the meat. I caught Simon later in the locker room when he thought everyone was gone, straightening his arm to flex, smiling and shaking his head. A boy and his muscle. Interim coach Oliver, the permanent uninvited house guest of All Night Fitness, is an entity unto himself. As I said, he knows nothing about swimming, but he's a master motivator and is a better influence than the more screwed up the athlete is. Having brought Simon to playing with that idea that there's a Tayroy kibble inside him ready to burst through at any time, he's focused his energy on converting Dan into a regular guy who's able to converse with his peers, demanding 10 push-ups every time he uses the word Oliver doesn't understand. It's too early to tell, but I think Dan has a better chance of building his pecs to Schwarzeneggerian bulk than dumbing down his vocabulary for the likes of us. The guy even bitches in highbrow. I'm punished for bringing aristocratic flair to the language and vocabulary of these aquatic crow magnons, he says. How can that be? Interim coach Oliver belches and says, you're damn lucky I know aristocratic. I ain't so sure which ones were the Crow Magnums. Now give me 10 more. Interim coach Oliver created a station system, wherein one station is the pool, one is the sur surgical tubing, bench humping swimming, one series of deck drills, jumping jacks to push-ups to sit-ups to dips. Three minutes, all out in each station, three times around to the sound of interim coach Oliver's booming voice gets us going pretty good when we're bored with the tedium of these long workouts. Three days a week, we hit the weight room where Tayroy puts us through a killer work weight workout that he dreamed up after reading how Olympic swimmers weight train. Don't get me wrong. In the long run, a swimmer is the product of more than anything else the number of yards he or she can log in the water. We're feeling good on the front end of all of this, but when the season starts, 
we'd better have some creative individual goals because we're going to get our asses kicked. If I have my way, though, when the season is over, there will be six guys stalking the halls you couldn't have imagined wearing the holy shroud of blue and gold. Things are less optimistic out in the real life. Alicia Marshall must have told Rich that she saw me in Heidi's play therapy session because every time I ran into him at school the next day, he squinted one eye as if he was lining me up in the crosshairs and then turned away. He doesn't know that I get power knowing that he knows I have the goods on him. He's a guy to watch every minute though. I've never forgotten the look on his face the day that he shot that deer. It could have just easily have been me. It's hard to know how paranoid to be. Both Rich and Barber are consistent in subtly mentioning my roots. At least one out of three times they say anything to me at all. The only person I know who relates to being non-white is Georgia. And she tells me that while she never forgets her heritage, her job on the planet is to be a voice for children. And that's what she concentrates on first. But I'm over 40, she says, and you're almost 18. It's one of those things you have to figure out for yourself. Things will look different when you get to college. The Inland Northwest isn't exactly the most ethnically balanced spot in the universe. For the most part, it's not something I spend a lot of time with, except when I hear some off-the-wall remark from Barber or when Rich Marshall is messing with my head. I said earlier that the Aryan Nation Fort is about 40 miles from Spokane in the Idaho Panhandle at Hayden Lake. Neo-Nazis from all over the country come there to summer camp where they have war games and spout mindless slogans of racial purity. Sometimes they obtain a parade permit and march through the streets of Coar de Aline or congregate in the Riverfront Park in Spokane. On the surface, these guys look like a bunch of bozos. The Reverend Butler, the geezer who runs it, is articulate enough, but he's crazier than an outhouse rat. And the smartest of the guys who shows up for that camp can draw maybe one out of three swastikas correctly. I drove to Spokane to observe one of their rallies last year for a journalism story, and more than anything, they looked ridiculous. I said that in the article. But Dad read it and asked if I knew that the guy who opened fire in a Jewish daycare in Los Angeles a few years back had ties to those guys, or whether was I aware that a Jewish radio talk show host in Denver was gunned down by people traced back to this group, or that a guy coming from somewhere in the South to support Randy Weaver, the white supremacist who held off the FBI at Ruby Bridge, shot two people in the Spokane bus station just because they, because they were a mixed couple. He didn't want to alarm me, he said, but he wanted me to be armed with the facts. The truth is, I wouldn't give any of that a second thought, except when I went to cover the story, I swear I saw Rich Marshall standing in the middle of the park talking with one of the officers. They were whooping it up like old buddies. That didn't surprise me all that much, and to tell the truth, I couldn't care less generally 
he has the requisite IQ. But the next day, he catches me just after I've said goodbye to Carly in Wolfie's parking lot and pulls up his pickup in close just after I open my car door, trapping me. And he says, hey, Jones. Hey, Rich. Hypothetical question. I take a deep breath and appear disinterested. What, Rich? Let's say you got married and had a family. And let's say the Department of Children's Services made up a bunch of bullshit to keep you away from your wife and kids. He waits. Okay, I said. Let's say that. And let's say you find out some guy who ain't got no business within 10 miles of your family gets himself involved. Okay. What do you do with him? Nothing, Rich. I just do whatever I have to do to get back with my wife and kids. Not me, he says, pointing his trusty forefinger at me, bringing his thumb hammer down. Not me. I shrug and get into my car, waiting for him to pull back so I can close the door. And then I sit there waiting for the adrenaline flow to ebb, to stop. Ten minutes later at All Night Fitness, I tear the water up. I swim 200-yard repeats, leaving every three and a half minutes until I can barely drag the paddles through the water, forcing my elbows high through each stroke sending deep burning pain into my shoulders and chest, trying to replace the fear and contempt in my gut. Maybe this is Rich Marshall's purpose in my life to make me faster. An hour and a half later, I drag my dripping butt out of the water and I head for home, only to rise now more pissed than scared. Around four to return for some distance work before the rest of the guys show for the station workouts and I find Iko waiting for me. Iko is Interim Coach Oliver's new acronym. Yesterday, I started calling him our ICO, but when Chris Coughlin heard it, he was convinced I was spelling the name so he wouldn't understand something like they do at his home. I tried to explain about acronyms, but that went about as far over his head as you can go without escaping gravity. And he started calling Oliver Ico. As I tried to explain it for the 10th or 11th time, Oliver overheard me and said, hey, I like it, Ico. It has a certain ring. Yeah, like already chewed food or snot running into your mustache, Ico. Ico told me to watch it. At any rate, when I show up now, a little after four, he's already up. You got a minute, chief? He follows me to the pool. What's up? I've been watching what you call a swim team pretty close, he says, and no matter how hard I watch, it don't look like any swim team that I ever saw. I said it was a little raw. Raw? Hell, I've seen open seeping pores ain't so raw as this team. Ever notice you're the only actual swimmer? Hell, you look like one of those boys in the Olympics. I tell him it's the same principle as my parking my Chevy Corvair next to some really ugly cars in the school parking lot. He says I couldn't find an ugly enough car to make a Corvair look Olympic, but he gets the point. Is there some kind of vendetta going on at the school about this team? What do you mean? 
Well, he says, you know the barber kid? The one that works for Marshall Locking in the summer? The football stud? Mike, I say. Mike Barber? Yeah, I know him. Well, I seen him stacking up little slow Chris back behind the hardware store. Shit, did he hurt him? Nah, Echo says. I done what I used to do with my boy. What was that? Picked me up a piece of rebar. Metal. You used to hit your kid with rebar? Echo laughs. <laughs> Never thought of that. No, I just stood there, talking to him. Real reasonable, you know? Saying he ought to increase his circle of friends enough to include people like my friend Chris there. While I bent the rebar into a horseshoe. He seemed to understand. Was Chris okay? Yeah, I guess. You know, he don't say much. Well, he wasn't saying less than that. He liked the rebar thing, though. Sept thought it was a magic trick. Asked me to teach it to him. I asked Iko if he knew why Barbara was bugging Chris in the first place. Yeah, something about a letter jacket? I didn't understand. I mean, the kid was wearing that Speedo jacket he always wears. Man, Mike Barber is a one-trick pony. So later in the morning, I'm doing lunch in Simmet's room, bringing him, current, bringing him up to current on the progress of his semi-landlocked mermen, advising against his applying for the job with the men's national team. And he says, so what are your goals? A small cattle ranch outside of Albuquerque, I tell him. A few longhorns. Ugh. For this season, he says, swim as far as I can and get the gold. Is that it? And letter jackets for the downtrodden one and all. That's still the big deal to you, isn't it? Still is. Well, Coach Benson caught me in the teacher's lounge this morning, he says. Oh, you must have been delighted. Not particularly. He was feeling me out for swim team letter requirements, said he thought it was great that I was getting a team going, though I should have talked you into going out for football if I really wanted to do the school a favor, rather than create a whole new sport for you. I love that they all want me. Ugh, what did you tell him? I told him I didn't create swimming, that it's been going on for a long time. I told him about a couple of guys named Schollander and Spitz. Simmet's as big a smartass as I am. He said he knew the letter requirements were up to me, but he hoped I wouldn't diminish what it means to be a Wolverine. Mike Barber's name came up, along with a couple of other ball players, and yours, of course. Said they were concerned that you were trying to make a sham of it. A joke. It's already a sham. I'm just exposing it. You got something going on with Mike Barber? Mm, I shrug. Well, I don't know exactly what this is all about, but remember, I have to live here after you're gone. We can be creative, but I have a certain respect for athletics myself, so don't push it too far. I promise I won't push it too far. But like I said, Sim is one of those guys who remembers what it was like to be a kid. So I figure too far is quite a ways out there. <laughs>